Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. Today, we're going to be living on the edge. So whether we're talking about uh, security and SASE, network as a service, cloud computing, a bunch of the other things uh, that we talk about on this show, uh, these days, edge is uh, increasingly sort of getting into that conversation, but it's not something that we have uh, specifically focused on uh, on any episode of the podcast yet. And so for that, I'm very pleased to welcome two experts on this topic from Catchpoint. Uh, we have with us Mehdi Dowdy, who is the CEO there, and Tony Ferelli, who is VP of Operations. Welcome, Mehdi and Tony. Uh, thank you so much, Greg, for having us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so uh, as we almost always do, I like to start out the podcast with just a brief introduction from, from each of you on a, just a bit about your background and, and then more specifically what you're up to at Catchpoint. Well, Tony and I have a, a, an amazing uh, common background, the two of us. So we both worked at DoubleClick uh, mm. for many, many years. I was the VP of uh, quality of service. So I was the guy with the monitoring tools and Tony was running the network engineering team. Mm. And uh, we had uh, an interesting relationship, right. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes adversarial. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and uh, so I decided to leave after the Google acquisition. Mm. I decided mm -hmm. to leave and start uh, Catchpoint, which is a monitoring company. Uh, we right. are in uh, the end user monitoring space. And I've kept in touch with Tony over the years. He ended up staying another 10 years at Google doing all kind of amazing secret stuff mm -hmm. that I'm sure he'll be more than happy to share. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I reached out to him pre-pandemic last year and I said, listen, I really need some help because our infrastructure has grown and, uh, and we are getting into uh, other areas with the edge monitoring, uh, employee experience monitoring, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I really need some help. So I reached out to Tony and he forgot the five, six years I made his life miserable at DoubleClick. <laughs> Nature sometimes works yeah, yeah, in my advantage. And here he is. So Tony, I'll let you. And to be able to get you away from Google, you know? So yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah no worries. Yeah, I mean, um, so I started at AT&T back when they first started their internet business back mm -hmm. when uh, mm -hmm. they were just reselling BBN Planet, if that right. name rings a bell to anybody from history. Um, you know, DoubleClick. You know, the, Medi, the thing Medi doesn't say is that we had to serve one of those display ads in 200 milliseconds or less, mm. right? Which is was quite the feat, you know, you know, almost 20 years ago now. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, at Google, I worked on the peering, uh, I managed the peering negotiation teams, ran some Google Google CDN services, and we started that Google Global Cash program, which I think was really, um, really a great thing. I think for mm -hmm. ISPs around the world. Um, I also did some custom network stuff with like open source Chromium and Firebase test labs. Uh, and then I was in corporate network for a while, uh, running a Wi-Fi team and looking at user experience, right? Yeah. How do we measure mm -hmm. it? How do we make sure that we're actually delivering uh, what we need to to Google employees? So uh, right. I had a nice wide variety of experience, but it's always been networking background. So Catchpoint was an easy, um, easy play to jump back into, right? Uh, we, like I said, we have a long history of working together. So um, yeah, it's been fun absolutely. so far. Well, and I, I have to say that having two guests on the show that both also have a telegeography map behind them uh, is it makes me very happy. So <laughs> we're not kissing your butt, right? Yeah. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've always 
drooled over your maps. Yeah, no, well, thank uh, you. Even <laughs> back in the double click days, we've always had yeah. uh, maps uh, that try to depict the internet because people tend to forget how complex things are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the cloud and <laughs> is making things, uh, uh, makes, makes people forget how complex this stuff is. The outage this week of Fastly, I think, was a, a reminder that mm-hmm. stuff breaks. This is mm-hmm. cables and servers. and There's a real world out there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and remember too, like if things were just getting more complicated, right? Like the whole mm-hmm. subject that we're talking about today with edge networking, um, you know, and edge edge services, right? Like we're actually taking services and breaking them down into smaller components, right? right? Microservices. And now instead of like one application, there's one application that a customer sees, but there's so many microservices that live there and they're so far distributed that it's making like the job of running this kind of stuff a lot more complicated. Um, you know, for operations people, you can't just be a straight like sysadmin anymore or a network engineer. You have to have a broader experience, right? You have to be in bed with the developers as they build these applications mm-hmm. to make sure you're getting the right signals to understand what's happening on any component at any given time. And that's a common theme as has been developing in, in security over the last few years, too, where there used to be a pretty distinct silo in the enterprise of the security team and the network team. And, and now if you haven't already merged those teams, you're in big trouble. Right? It's a, so, you know, the, the, the real impetus of, of this show um, uh, was from a, a blog post that you wrote, Mehdi, called uh, Monitoring at the Edge of the Third Act of the Internet. Uh, so if you're listening to this, I, I suggest maybe pause and, and go check out that blog post. It was it was really illuminating, especially to, to read through. There's a there's a diagram that I found pretty useful. Um, so maybe to set things up for, for the rest of the conversation, Mehdi, could you explain um, what your framework that you used in that was that you called it the first, second and third act of the Internet? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, Tony will remember this because we worked on the second part of that together. Mm-hmm. Um but when we when I started playing with the internet was in '97, and that's when I was a sales engineer at DoubleClick, and I would go to customers, and everything was so slow because first there was no Zoom or WebEx. We had to go and see customers. Yes, yes. We were based in New York, and we had this tiny little data center at 41 Madison Avenue, and uh, which was an office building that wasn't supposed to host a data center to start with. No, but anyway, yeah. it's beyond. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. And then I would go to California and. Uh, and latency is the killer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we know that. It's all about latency, latency, latency. So every packet had to travel from California to New York and back. And this is, there was no, I mean, the best we had was a T1 at the time. Woo-hoo, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. and I still have a, a modem to remind me sometimes of what has happened over the last 20 years. Anyway, so everything was in a single data center and customers were so annoyed that everything was so slow. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we had two ISPs, so we introduced the second ISP in our data center, and so we had BBN and UUNet, and it was like, whoa, now we get to be able to load balance. Performance was still crap. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, we have to find another solution. This is 97, 98. Guess what? There was a little company called Akamai that pops in, right, with the value proposition of, I am going to take your content. In our case, the banners, the, the, the not the ad matching, because delivering ads requires two steps. One is you have to match which ad to serve. And that one is a fairly 
fast transaction. But the biggest one was like delivering those pop-up ads and whatnot. So I apologize for what I did all to you guys <laughs> over all these years. Yeah. But um, yeah. so the uh, so then Akamai came and he said, "Listen, we have this technology. It's really cool. We have these servers all around the world, and we can basically deliver content, uh, you know, closer to end users." and reduce the latency. And that was the second act of the internet mm -hmm. where we started taking content and now breaking it and uh, putting it uh, in different locations, reducing latency. So that second act actually has lasted a long time now, right? Where right. we had multiple CDN come and go, different methodologies, uh, like uh, an Akamai methodology, which is like hundreds of thousands of servers everywhere versus let's say an Edgecast or Fastly, which is like, okay, bigger pops, uh, closer, but then a, a lot of servers in each one of them. Um, the third act is what Tony said earlier, which is now the really the last mile. Um, mm -hmm. So if I live in Los Angeles. It's a very big city. I think the closest data center I have is one Wilshire, probably, right? right? That's where mm -hmm. most of LA goes to. But it's still far. I mean, there are certain mm -hmm. applications like a Zoom or video conferencing where maybe even 10 milliseconds is very, very far away. And I think COVID, what we had to endure during COVID has taught us that latency is even more important for productivity at home. Well, and even just, just to, to stop you there and just bring on the point that, you know, when, when you're talking to, to the multinational enterprise, they're loving it with with their office that's in downtown LA getting to one Wilshire, right? Because, sure. You know, they, they're they having sites that, that would be getting to one Wilshire from, right. you know, say, uh, you know, rural Nevada or, or worse, right? right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Sorry. And, so you, and what yeah. we're seeing, yeah, and absolutely. And what we're seeing now is, uh, again, latency, the, 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 the physics of latency are not going to change. You, mm -hmm. you know, speed of light is speed of light. And so it's really about compressing that. And how can you compress it? It was by getting even closer and closer and closer to the end user, number one. And number two is what Tony said earlier, is you have to break down those things, those big applications, into smaller chunks. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're seeing, right? You have a microservice that lives here that might be on the edge, so something closer to the end user. And then maybe another microservice that is maybe not as latency dependent and that thing can live in an AWS or a Google Cloud or whatever, uh, or a traditional Equinix kind of data center. Mm -hmm. uh, but having, uh, have, it's really about latency. That's what, that's what our customers are telling us is we need to get closer to, to, to the last mile. Tony, I don't know if, uh, if uh, you have expertise <laughs> that uh, latency i've been i've been asking you to squeeze latency for 20 years so. <laughs> right i mean and you know if you look at the structure of the internet and different isps right they, they peer in different locations and it's usually mm -hmm. in those big markets and you can actually look at the telegeography map right. <laughs> not to kiss your butt again yeah. but i mean it shows <laughs> yeah. you where the major peering centers are in the mm -hmm. world right and there's not that many of them right but like what we're seeing like over the last 10 years there's been a really great evolution of having local local peering exchanges, right, that show up in different metros now, mm -hmm. right, that are helping, helping aid that interconnect. So if, you know, if you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, you don't have to travel all the way up to Ashburn, right, to be able right. to, to connect to a service that lives on a different ISP, right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think most businesses realize now that multi-homing is super important from an ISP perspective. 
And I think with the Fastly outage that we saw, you know, earlier this week, you know, that's starting to evolve now. And now people are starting to think about, I got to do multi-CDN, I got to do multi-cloud, you know, and now these edge services become more and more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, you know, important to, to remember sort of how far we come, we've come and, and how recently some of these almost like uh, your second stage hurdles have just been overcome. Yeah, I, I think of a case like uh, in Brazil until fairly recently. Well, uh, Google did have a data center in, in Santiago, Chile, but of course yep. there was no way to yep. get from Brazil to Chile. right? And so it was still the case until fairly recently. I mean, just a few years ago that if you sent an email to someone across town in Sao Paulo, your email was going to Miami, not for the Americas or whatever, and then tromboning back on that path. Right. So we, we were just now and getting that to still, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Greg, that, that is still happening in many, many other markets. Absolutely. In APAC, yeah. in India. In mm-hmm. India, the, you have to get out because the Indian network was built mostly from an outside mind rather than right. inside. Right. Most of the traffic still gets out of India, goes to to Europe, and comes back to India. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of this weirdness between Hong Kong and 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 India, for example. There is so much routing that is you know politically, uh, whether it's real politics or mm-hmm. business politics. Uh, that is directed by some of these corporations. It's insane. And again, latency is very important. So they're doing a disservice to the end users. And Mm -hmm. it's an end user market. It's all about that customer experience, right? Mm -hmm. We saw it. We just saw it this week. Everybody was enraged. I couldn't get you CNN. I couldn't get you this. I couldn't get you that. It's really about latency. No, I, I, I'm glad that you, you that you brought up that sort of aspect of it because you know obviously this is the WAN Manager podcast. We're focused on on enterprise apps, right? Um, when I'm thinking about or sort of you know Akamai and their history, it was uh, I, I often think of more sort of the eyeball apps, right? Like Netflix, YouTube. Obviously, those are were, were one of the first yeah. big use cases for that. Sure. But then the the enterprise, you know, UCAS kind of models and all that tend to sort of trail behind the consumer services, you know, in a way, right? Like that we were all using Skype, uh, you know, with each other <laughs> long before there was right. Skype for Business as an enterprise solution, right? You Correct. know, um, so it, it seems often that that, that it kind of, uh, you know, the, the enterprises are following those consumer footsteps. What do you think of from the from the enterprise kind of uh, standpoint as as sort of the, the killer apps for for edge um, or or is it just there, there's all so much them. potential right yeah all, yeah. all of them Greg so much you potential know, yeah. there was uh, yeah no worries Tony so I, I listened to the CIO of Nutanix many years ago I was at this conference and she had this incredible story she said I go home and I say Alexa turn on the light. And it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alexa, play this. Boom. And I come to my office and I spent million dollars on a teleconferencing system and I need 13 engineers to turn on the TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I think yeah. what's happening and I think what COVID has done is a consumerization of corporate IT. Mm-hmm. And there is mm-hmm. no going back. Mm-hmm. There is no going back. We're going to have to deal with security. Don't get me right. wrong, right? right. But... People are realizing that, hey, my computer at home is better than the right. one you're giving me. It's four years old. My Wi-Fi is better. 
my this is better, my that is better. I mean, 90% uh, of the time, right? I get a 20 meg MPLS port at the, a can circuit at the office and I get 500 <laughs> right. from Fios or Comcast. Oh my God, so. <laughs> well, uh, but it's consumer grade, so right. you have to take that into account. It's contended, right? so it's contended, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but the, the, the challenge now is, again, going back to the latency, sorry for being a latency sucker here, mm. but I have, in my case, in my tiny little case of catch point of 300 employees, I have a lot of people that are no longer living in New York or San Francisco or in the in the in the, in the main centers. I have people that have moved to Tennessee, to mm-hmm. New Hampshire, to Montana, and they're no coming yeah. back, right? So their expectation is like Salesforce needs to run as well mm-hmm. as what it was in the office, right? But Salesforce, are you using an Akamai or Fastly, whatever? I don't know. I don't think so. Their performance is not that great. And they had an outage just a few weeks ago themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there is a, this typical trend that the summer, summer is like the summer of outages kind of thing. But the, this uh, this end user thing mentality needs to follow the, the, cons- the from a consumer to a, an, an employee side. Sorry. But I mean, look at that. And we're actually, you know, a good example of that evolution. So I run corporate IT also for Catchpoint and we have nothing in the office. There is no service that any user needs to connect to in the office anymore. Everything is a SaaS application. Google's been doing it for years, right? Like right. there's this concept of beyond corp, right? That they've written papers on, um, you know, where services no longer have to live where the users live. Mm-hmm. Services live often in the off on the internet somewhere else, right? So that just behooves you even more and how like, if I need to share a file, I want to do it and I, I don't want to wait 45 minutes, right? To right. do that. So that local NAS server doesn't exist anymore. And especially now we're all working from home, having those cloud storage options become really, really valuable, right? So you can splay like this. And those offices now don't become a security hole for you, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that office is now a Starbucks, right? right? right. I can go work from anywhere. Right. Yeah. I don't have to work from that office anymore because there's nothing there except for a bunch of network ports. Maybe there's a few phones left. Right. right. But most of that's VoIP now anyway. So who cares? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or are you using VCs? Google's been mm-hmm. using V. I joined, we joined in 2008. We were using VCs back right. in 2008. Google Hangouts was the primary way we communicated. Right. Um, now it's slowly taken over. Right. People still don't turn on cameras, which I find annoying, but you know, it is what it <laughs> yeah. is, right? It's yeah. a great way to communicate and stay in touch with each other. So, you know, obviously that part of it is, is, is great, but then offices want to, you know, IOT is like the big use case. Mm-hmm. I hear about IOT, mm-hmm. you hear about IOT security, you know, you want those things to be fast. I want a light to turn on when I walk in a room, right? right? When somebody right. walks in the room, I want my VC screen to pop up with what meeting is supposed to be on at that time when you walk into that conference room. These are all things that have to happen like that. Yeah, well, and you're talking about sort of productivity or just like, you know, office stuff, but especially if you're in the IoT business where it has to do some amount of compute or, you know, like yep. a, a manufacturing facility or whatever, right? Then um, having that compute happen in real time to drive the robot that's or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, because yeah. you're talking about something that doesn't have much power, right? right? It's, you know, it's tiny sitting in that office that controls the light shades, right? Or mm-hmm. that, you know, that senses when somebody enters a room. I mean, we have customers that use us to monitor their robots that are manufacturing cars. Right, right. So, and it's all again. It goes and the, and you know the the brain is an AWS or Google Cloud, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the robots need to talk to that. It's like okay, so what's the latency to an AWS from whatever location they are, right? And so, 
uh, that latency, that reliability. You know, we, we, we talk to our customers about these four pillars that are extremely important, reachability, performance, availability, and then reliability. Can I get to you? Mm-hmm. Are you up or down? Are you slow, fast? And how consistently can you deliver that level of quality of service, whatever that is, uh, to your customers? That concept right. of reliability is also extremely important. Yeah, so so you bring up a great point then, and just in just bringing up, okay, I need I need to ping AWS. So think of it that way. AWS has a, a couple of dozen or so cloud regions around the world, right? Um, uh, so so if, if you happen to be close to one of those couple of dozen cloud regions, maybe this hasn't become that big of an issue for you. you know, I'm in, I'm in Northern Virginia. Literally, the the biggest concentration of data centers in the world is is down the street, right? You know, um, so it may not change my life radically uh, if something was was off the edge. But um, what I what I want to get at in thinking about this third act of the internet of is is where exactly do you think we mean for that edge? There's uh, from from the service provider standpoint. Uh, are you talking about maybe like central offices? Uh, you know, everybody knows the little wow. uh, bri- right. windowless brick building that's in in their yeah. neighborhood somewhere with a, a Verizon or a CenturyLink or whatever right. sign on it, right? Um, or are you talking about on the customer premises? We just spent all this time moving the data center into uh, <laughs> to off off campus yeah. sites, and now we're going to move it back, but just atomized. Is is that uh, what we're talking about? What's your take, Tony? All right. Um, I think it's it's some of that's true, right? Um, but I think the thing that you're doing with like containerization and stuff like that is mm-hmm. is even though it's on site, it's still abstracted from you. You're still using the same tool sets to not only manage that portion, but mm-hmm. also the whole infrastructure that's living off in the ether, right, in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, there's going to be use cases that I think we're still exploring and still figuring out. Like right. I think. You know, the killer one is like Stadia, and I think Microsoft's offering something now with streaming gaming, right? You know, there's that Twitch level that you need, right, to do that really quickly. And, you know, I think Stadia's done a really good job with some of that um, in the markets that they're in. But then you go outside a certain latency range, right? And then it becomes sort of unusable if if you're doing stuff competitively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think... I think a lot of thought, I think we're still in the early stages of starting to figure out what's important and how do we break up these services so I can move the most important components out to that edge. And then where is that edge, right? Like, you know, we keep on hearing IoT and and 5G and stuff like that and the combinations and Amazon just came out with Wavelength, right? With Verizon and uh, KDDI and a couple of others. And these are really super interesting use cases, but I'm really, I'm kind of interested to see where they go, right? Right. Like what's going to be that killer application that actually drives that. And then the other piece of it is, can your teams handle that complexity that you're now adding into that application? Mm, Exactly. Right. Like how do you peel off that, that microservice that needs that low latency and still maintain the bulk of it somewhere else? Because, you know, the easy solution is go back to the old way, right? Drop a server in the building and call it a day. That's that's what I was getting at. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It can't be that. It can't be that. Right. right? I, I, it would be unmanageable. I mm-hmm. think, uh, I, I mean, Tony said it nicely. First is, is understanding what does edge mean to you, Mr. Mm-hmm. Customer. And mm-hmm. every customer is going to uh, to 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 have different requirements, whether you're a, a car or a super low latency robot that is performing a surgery at Cedar sinai <laughs> That stuff needs like, you know, microseconds is, is extremely important. Um, 
I think Edge physically is going to be uh, not so much in the big cities, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. Uh, it's it's the rural areas. It's the yeah. farms in Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's it's a it's a, can we deliver can we deliver the internet and applications with a certain level of latency to a school mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere that is far away? That by the way, because COVID, I mean, hopefully we won't deal with another COVID for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. But COVID is the result of population travel, connected world, all that stuff. The likelihood of another SARS-related thing might happen again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we just got we we got trained <laughs> this past two years Hopefully. on how yeah. to be completely distributed, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think this is going to open up the door to a lot of things. Maybe we don't need to all live in New York or San Francisco or yeah. in DC. Maybe we can spread and 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 so. But then, as a user, I want I want a great experience, no matter where what it is, no matter where I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to dictate what goes where in terms of uh, in terms of what edges. But it's really about, for me, Edge is literally delivering an amazing user experience to employees, customers, devices, anywhere in the world within X milliseconds, right? You don't have to, we don't have to dial back a modem at 28.8K and say, okay, this is the internet. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. That's a that's a great point. Something I often uh, talk about when introducing people to you know sort of the the geography of the internet, right? These maps that we have behind us is is that if you overlay that with air travel, uh, you know, shipping lanes and 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 actual ports, it all matches up very very neatly, right? The submarine cables are on the major shipping routes and the major flight right. routes, um, and so all of our all of that infrastructure development has been has been concentrated and if we have a sort of uh, a decentralization of of work and people then we have to yeah. decentralize the data too that's bit, yeah absolutely and you know the thing that for me uh, the best example of what edge means is also almost like what spacex is doing with their internet uh, mm. satellite service mm-hmm I mean, they're not going to be the only one. Probably right. others will Kuiper. join. Yeah, and, perhaps. Yeah. Right. So, uh, if, if we're going to have this this internet coverage uh, that is via satellite, well, then where 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 is the latency? Right. How? I mean, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, when we used to fly, we used to get GoGo flight, right? And Google Flight will connect you if you do a trace route while you are on the plane. Oh, yeah. It will it will trace route back to wherever you wherever you took off. Mm-hmm. So if I took off from LA, I would trace route just to LA. When I would land in New York, I was still going to LAX for some reason, right? But I think with spa- with with uh, with SpaceX, I don't know how the, the the networking is being done. We we're still waiting for a few of our nodes to go live there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to change where the edge is because the the, the users are going to be everywhere. They're going to be connected to the internet via satellite, and then you are dealing with you know, very weird latency requirement again there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think that's going to be one of the challenges that we we come up with, right? So, you know, with Starlink, that's the, the SpaceX service, right? That's, you know, there's ground stations positioned all over the place, right? Where that traffic kind of aggregates and comes out. Right. Um, you know, so I'm assuming at some point services are going to want to move closer to those, to those ground stations, mm-hmm. right? But now proximity becomes like this key equation, right? Like we've had this loose geolocation system, right? That sort of works. Like where's that IP address coming from? Mm-hmm. But like with IPv6, 
and stuff, it's becoming, you know, much more complex now, more right? Like, how do I tell where right. that user is? Yeah. So, like, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how systems evolve with that. Or, because or what the Apple just announced this week with the iOS 15. That privacy thing that they're launching is going to change the whole geo IP load balancing that mm. we've been doing because they're they're going to tunnel all the traffic through uh, a CDN of uh, commercial CDNs and then but the IP address is masked the DNS server is masked and all of our all of the technologies that we use to load balance and geolocate and geo route are gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. it becomes interesting. Like we, we even looked at like 8.8.8.8 and 1.1.1.1, those DNS services, right? And how they do location. And what's really fascinating about them is because there's so many people asking questions, asking for answers from them, right? That you kind of get sticky and you can actually watch the patterns, right? As they grow. Mm. And sometimes that's not that useful. <laughs> right. Sometimes right. that's not good. Right. Um, so it's really fascinating to kind of dig into this and see, like, how is this going to evolve with edge computing? Right. Like, you know, like the AWS wavelength thing with Verizon. So now they live on Verizon's backbone. Right. Mm-hmm. Verizon wireless backbone. So now they have that service. But like AT&T is going to do something different. Uh, T-Mobile is going to do, you know, maybe they'll go with, uh, you know, Google or Azure or something like that. Now you have to think as a as a as an enterprise or as a as somebody that wants to run a business that uses those services. Now you not only have to support one, but you really have to drive to multi-cloud if right. you want to hit all those networks and get that value that they're providing. Right? right. This is the whole reason why like centralized CDNs and independent CDNs became really important. All these providers like Comcast and AT&T, they all tried to spin up their own CDN services. Right. And they all pretty much failed because HTTPS. Everything's mm-hmm. encrypted. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, you know, that was yeah. done on purpose. Right. That was right. done on purpose because you're not. I don't want to have to talk to you and talk in your language about how I want my caches done. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do that independently and run it one way. Right? right. And the big companies like Google and Facebook and, and Netflix have the clout to go and do that. Mm-hmm. But it's the smaller guys that kind of suffer and might have to play this this multi game. Right. And dealing mm-hmm. with each individual one to make stuff happen. So, um, like I said, it's really it's, it's really going to be fascinating to watch how all this stuff evolves. And does it get easier? Right. right? Does it get easier? Yeah, that, I mean that's that's a really interesting question in in terms of uh, sort of um, there's always a market opportunity to bring simplicity to a complex uh, sort of situation. Exactly, that can only happen overlays. if it's not like totally controlled by a a huge managed service provider who has everything you know vertically integrated and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And so let's talk about monitoring that since that is, is where your sort of real expertise here lies, right? We've kind of set up the stage. Um, you know, so, so Edge has this sort of promise in facilitating all these novel apps and capabilities, um, but there's always a, a yin to the yang, right? So, um, so uh, you've touched on this a bit, but can maybe go through sort of um, what challenges you think this is going to pose from a network management kind of standpoint. And, um, and, and do you think those challenges or issues are maybe different for the, the, the service providers providing, uh, you know, networks uh, than they are to the end users themselves, perhaps? I think it's, uh, it's an excellent question. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, a multi, it's a very complex answer. The first is 
I believe that it's all about, it's always about the end user. Even in my double click days, my arguments with Tony were always about uh, the end users are complaining and Tony's answer, yeah, but the, my network is up. Right. And the answer was like, that's great that your yeah. network is up, but the end users are complaining. So, you know, ooh, right. let's solve it, right? I actually had so, a t-shirt made up that said, it's never the network. It's so, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to steal his t-shirts and burn them. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so the, uh, the, uh, it's really about the end users. Now, the end users are exploding. Uh, they're everywhere. They are demanding. They are consuming more and more services. Mm-hmm. And they're consuming a lot of more and more services from many, many, many devices. Uh, whether right. it's an iPad, a computer, whether it's Ethernet or Wi-Fi, or Wi-Fi six or IPv four. I mean, IPv four, IPv six. I was troubleshooting something with the with the customer the other day on IPv six. I was just like, imagine your mom getting on, uh, ask, asking your mom to do a trace rock and getting her <laughs> to give you an IP address, right. and as and she's looking at an IPv six address and it's like, how do you even like? Troubleshoot that, right? right. So the right. bottom line is things are getting so complex. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two is Tony said something is like uh, it was interesting. We had an SLA, him and I. We literally had service level agreements between teams at DoubleClick. Mm-hmm. And our service level agreement was every ad, all the ads that we served. And we served that by the time I left in 2008, we were serving about 40 billion mm-hmm. ads a day, mm-hmm. right? So Anything with billions is huge. Like yes. 40 billion yes. transactions a day is huge. And literally, our, our service level agreement was like 99.9% of all, all the things that we served had to happen within less than 150 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. And we measured all of them. And we, we measured real user. We measured synthetically. We measured all kinds of things. Uh, again, doing this 20 years ago was pretty cool. Today, mm-hmm. I have kids that is... I have a 12-year-old that comes and knocks at my door and breaks my door and said, there is lag on the Wi-Fi. Right. It's like, where the hell did you learn this stuff, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Because because he's yeah. playing a game and two millisecond latency or three millisecond latency, that's it. He's yeah. like, he's, he's he lost, right? Um, so, so monitoring needs to happen where it matters the most, which is the mm-hmm. end users, number mm-hmm. one. You still need to monitor all your other stuff, your network gear, your servers, your containers, your whatever, right? CPU, memory, the whole nine yards, nothing changed. The problem now is, is your multi-cloud, your multi-disk, your multi-network, and right. it's just like the complexity of monitoring has gotten out there as well. And so now we're talking about observability, the, you know, you have to observe, whatever. And... Uh, but I think I feel like we are with this level of complexity. Monitoring has gotten to the point where does it even make sense to look at dashboards anymore? I mean, mm. is it is it is, what's the the evolution of monitoring needs to be around automation? I think that's where we all as as monitoring companies right. need to get to the point where we need to start automating things because we're not talking about 2,000, 1,000 servers, 50 servers anymore. We're talking about containers in the, I mean, I have customers that are running three, 400,000 containers mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in, in, in five cloud vendors in every region of every cloud vendor. I mean, it's just insane. How do you monitor all of that? Right. You need a knock bigger than the whole IT team, right? <laughs> so, exactly. But, yeah. And by the way, you cannot hire people to look at stuff anymore. Right. Nobody wants to look at stuff anymore. 
Yeah, no, the only thing I was going to add to that, right, is, you know, Mehdi talked about that whole picture. So like with these microservices, teams are getting fragmented now, right, where they're mm -hmm. focused on their service, right? They don't care about the whole right. picture. Right. And so I think it's really important for folks to come back and make sure that there's a team that understands the whole you know, everything in that value chain that that end user is looking at, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not just their component, right? And now it's even harder because the network act is actually abstracted, right? So you're actually not doing network monitoring anymore. Mm -hmm. You're running this microservice that runs in a cloud that sits on a network that you can't see, right? Right. right. So now you have to figure out for those microservices, what's my proxy for that? Am I going to measure latency? How am I going to measure that? What am I going to measure? Right. And you have to build these abstractions that kind of give you an indication of how the network's performing. So you can eliminate that as part of the equation because you can't see it. Right. It's mm -hmm. not there anymore. Right. Um, and then when you look at the whole picture, somebody has to understand right from beginning to end, what's the input, what's the output and how fast should it happen? And somebody has to be looking at that to be able to drive into those micro teams. Now those microservices teams to go figure out where the problem lies. Right. Mm -hmm. So tracing things all the way through becomes super important. Right. I mean, Tony, what you said is, is, is so important. One of the biggest challenges I see happening in various industries verticals, companies, whatever you want to call them is because because teams have become so decentralized. So you have a dev team that goes and does something and they go and buy their own monitoring tools because freedom has been given, which mm -hmm. is great. So you have one team using this one, another team using this, another team using that, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, there is nobody. And this is one thing that we've I see 99% of the time with our customers is there is not a single team that 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 looks at that end to end when when i took over the monitoring at double click when we created that monitoring team was actually to defeat this thing because tony and his team had network monitoring tools mm -hmm. uh the system guys had their own system things blah 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 and it was like literally i would walk into a knock at the time and uh, it's like guys everything is bad it's like no maybe look the systems are good. This is good. Everything was green. My interface has and never had errors. That's all I had. Right. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. never. Yeah. And so when we created, we created this department that literally was called quality of services. And it was the Uber monitoring that would solidify and just like looks at things from an end to end. Add speed, media speed, add delivery transaction integrity. I mean, we went uh, crazy above uh, all things, but by being unified, we all started speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. We stopped that meantime to innocence, which is like, okay, who do I blame? And we stopped mm -hmm. like having people buying tools just so they can prove that it's not their stuff. It's mm -hmm. not the network. It's not the hard drives. It's not this. So that's one thing I would highly recommend is even if it's one person in your organization, have one guy that looks at one uh, the most critical business service, whatever that might be, and just like look at it from an end to end. Mm -hmm. uh, try to do that and uh, try to have service level agreements that are meaningful between your vendors, between teams. I think having that common language is extremely important. And then stop with this let's collect more data business. I mean, that's mm -hmm. one thing I see is just like mm -hmm. let's keep collecting more and more and more and more data. I was talking to a friend of mine. Who works at a very big cloud company, it's like 99.99999% of the data is never looked at. Right. Yeah. So, I and mean, that's, that's a problem in, in every aspect of, of, uh, of business now, right? So, right. that's a, the, right. the flood yeah. of data and, and what KPIs yeah. are right. actually useful and which ones are just being collected for the sake of it, right? Yeah. 
Right. Right. And even actionable. I mean, you have to ask, I tell this to my team. It's like, why? Start with why. Why do you need to collect this data? Whether it's a business data or whatever, whether it's my CFO or, or my team, it's like or a, a, an engineering team. Why are you collecting that data? Mm-hmm. Can I do anything yeah. with it? Yes. Oh, great. No. Then it's just like a, it's, 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 it's a lot of work for somebody to fill that Excel spreadsheet or that right. data system or whatever. It's useless. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So, so it it's sounds noise. like a, a lot of what you're saying is that when thinking about the the great complexity, there's almost as much of a cultural change needed within the enterprises as a technological change uh, so that you can pull back and, and have someone who can really understand what should I even have an SLA on, right? It's very simple in the MPLS world. My SLA is on my MPLS circuits, right? Um, but, but uh, you know, and, and who do I get that SLA from, right? It's, it's, it, it's not my carrier if I've gone to, uh, you know, a, a strategy of a bunch of different ISPs around the world, right? right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, we've had an interesting, uh, because one of our new products is around the employee experience. Mm-hmm. So it's a little software that sits on the endpoints on computers at the end user levels to monitor Salesforce and Zoom and whatever, right? And so this particular customer used this uh, uh, SASE vendor that has also some telemetry. They gather some telemetry. And uh, and so the customer looked at our data and we said that on average, uh, that application, the CRM application was only available 70% of the time, mm-hmm. which is terrible, by yeah. the way, right? Yeah. And, uh, but the other vendor, the, the SASE vendor was like, no, no, 100% availability, right? And uh, and then at the end of the day, we went and asked the employees, like, did you not have any problem? It's like, are you kidding? I couldn't do my job. I couldn't I couldn't enter this deal in this CRM. I couldn't look up the customer in the CRM. So there were problems. Oh, absolutely, right? And here's the data, whatever. So the, the other thing when you said about where you get the data from is extremely important. Uh, it's the hen and the, and the hen house, right? Mm-hmm. The, the wolf and the hen house, mm-hmm. kind of like who's monitoring, who's watching, uh, those can those kind of things are very important. I mean, we buy, we have what 850 locations we run our uh, our data centers from. We have what 500 ISPs we have contracts with. Yeah, their SLAs are fantastic, and I leave it as that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. So I guess my my question now becomes kind of um, having set all of this up. Uh, you know, where do you think the market? is with with adopting um you know both ends of this kind of service but both the edge services as well as of course uh being able to monitor that edge it sounds like it's pretty nascent yet is that is that the case on the monitoring side it's uh not as much i think it's mm-hmm. very developed i think what we're seeing is uh the maturity so it starts always with availability people care about availability right right uh, it's a very hard transition to go from up down to performance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody wants to sign up for performance issues, right? It's like, well, you know, now you're asking me to to guarantee that I will deliver this homepage or this login page in 300 milliseconds, but it's John over there and it's Jane over there, uh, and uh, oh by the way, it's AWS, and so th- there is this. Uh, I don't want to own this problem kind of problem. But anyway, but it happens. It ends up happening because customers are demanding. Right. So the performance one is a, is a very interesting uh, second point of the maturity model. The, the biggest hurdle 
is the reliability because it, it's very expensive to deliver reliability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when, when, when an Apple delivers 99.999% of reliability, they put a lot of money behind that, right? They are multi-cloud, they are right. multi-this, the same with Google, the same with like, it's not everybody can deliver the reliability that you get from a Google. Right. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants that. So mm -hmm. um, so that's one problem I see is the is the maturity model that starts with availability first reachability, availability, performance and reliability. The 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 jump from availability to performance is still very difficult for people to 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 grasp. Um, then on the on the edge services, um, I would tell folks just make sure you distribute your systems in as many places as possible. I mean mm -hmm. that's the uh, you know multi CDN. I think the lesson learned this week is again multi CDN, right. yeah. multi DNS, multi cloud yeah. vendor because things will fail. So mm -hmm. it, so if if everybody cares about reliability and availability, then make sure that you're available. Start with that. Right. I mean, it's the same. It's the same concept that we've always had in in sort of the last mile from the enterprise standpoint. Of I have to ensure that my my two providers are leaving the office on yeah, on different yep. different ducks, right? You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Make sure the risers are different. Make sure yeah. paths are different. Yeah. And by the way, this problem of last mile, this is not just an internet problem. Mm -hmm. This is when you think about even in e-commerce and in commerce in general. The companies that have done extremely well is Walmart. But guess what? They have they have stores in areas where, ah, mm -hmm. you know, right, yeah. right. so they have that so reach already physically, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other one is is Amazon, where you can order something and get it delivered in two hours. Yeah. And by the way, Target does the yeah. same thing today or whatever. So I think everybody's understanding that it's all about the last mile. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so it's all about the edge. At the end of the day, it's all about the edge. Whether the edge is is yeah. the, me wanting Tylenol delivered in my to my house in two hours, mm -hmm. or me being able to deliver watch a movie, uh, uh, download five gigs in like two seconds. It's yeah. all about the last mile. And companies, the successful ones, have have learned that a long way. Whether it was Sears, Walmart, now Amazon, Whole Foods, right? Well, and to that very specific point, that there is a physical geography reality for bits just as well as there is for tennis shoes and Tylenol or whatever, right? So yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Right? right. And like everybody's got to remember BGP is a protocol that doesn't care about performance. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a business. It's about business relationships, right? Mm -hmm. In the end, that's really what it is. Um, you know, you can have some gross controls, but like you can't really fine tune it and you can't do it based on performance. So there has to be these overlay services that help you figure that out. Right. And that's what I was talking about before about right. how do I know that, you know, Medi sitting in LA or Medi sitting in the middle of Topeka is going to get really good performance, right. From an application. And that's a really hard thing to go and solve. See right. on this offline world, Greg, Ikea. There was a business case study. It's a fascinating one. IKEA opening a tiny store in the middle of Manhattan. Mm, mm -hmm. Very different IKEA. than their normal model, which has come to us centralized, <laughs> Correct. right? A, Correct. Yeah. Because what, what they did is they adapted to the population in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. People in Manhattan don't need big furniture. Right. People in Manhattan maybe just want to go to IKEA to buy bulbs or, right. or batteries. So they adapted. 
Mm-hmm. And so that for me is that that edge definition. Mm-hmm. It's like you see, there is a big data center that shrank, 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 and went in the middle of Midtown Manhattan to deliver a particular service to that population. Right. They still right. go to the big IKEA on the weekend, but they have to rent yeah. a car. Yeah, and you have the economies of scale there. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's still, I mean, there's still a value per proposition for having those big data centers, right? Because not everything has to be exactly. latency centered, exactly. right? Right. And there's going to be a cost savings associated with that. So now businesses are going to have to make that more complex decision about figure, figuring out what that right balance is. I mean, yeah. how many of us out there that use Amazon services or Google services, right, buy the wrong resource for a longer period of time, right, mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. buy a reserved instance or something like that, right? Like, now you're going to be committing to something that's going to be much more expensive that sits on the edge. So you better be sure about, like, what your performance goals are by doing that, right? And then, like I said, making sure that the whole value chain down, the developers, the operations people, right. everybody that supports that can actually support it in, in a way that's meaningful. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, to your earlier point, this is an evolution, right? Like we're going to mm-hmm. see what happens over the next few years and see how things like streaming gaming and video conferencing and stuff take advantage of edge um, IOT, you know, to, you know, which that one I'm on the fence on. Like, I'd like to understand <laughs> a little bit more. I'd like to see yeah. some really good use cases. Yeah. Right. Because um, as people develop them, then then I think it will become a lot clearer right now. I still 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 think marketing will tout it to the to the cows come home Absolutely. but i think it's still not tangible yet right mm-hmm. about really what that that value is there except for some very specific use cases right right and, and not to not to get into this topic uh, so late in the game but i mean similar with 5g is that you know th- there's potential overlap here with you know the ability to do network slicing replacing of wi-fi at the campus level and that sort of thing but we yep. need to see some real life deployments and, and what applications they're right. running and you know so yeah, yeah, like big- super assassinated, like CBRS and stuff like that. Those are really interesting technologies. The question is, is will they ever replace Wi-Fi? I don't think so. Right. But right. like, let's see, right? Let's, yeah. you know, there there might be a killer use case out there that we haven't thought of yet. So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. see what it is. Bottom line, bottom line is we live in an amazing time. Yeah. There's so yeah. many possibilities. Yeah. And it's just all of this is just going to create more innovation. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Yeah, and 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 so to bring home sort of maybe a key takeaway, if I get your uh, sign off on this for for the you know the WAN manager, right? That is the name of the show. Yeah. Uh, I think one of them, uh, in addition to of course you know a sort of understanding um, you know all, all of these complexities, being able to understand how your monitoring actually works um, for that, it's also more again of a cultural thing of bringing together DevOps, bringing together the data center team, bringing together the cloud team, the security team, having them all understand what should be sitting where, how do I get to that? And how do I make sure that it's actually working? Right. And, and so there's, Don't there's forget a huge, about the networking team. And then of course, well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. This is from, from the WAN manager, uh, you know, him or herself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so th- maybe now the networking team becomes this sort of uh, centralized coordinator of all of these disparate needs, right? So, yeah. I mean, the internet is the new land. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's what we, yeah. that's literally the one, the land, there is no more of any of these things. Mm-hmm. It's just like when one big thing. Right. That just, you just need access works, onto it. Secure. And then it happens right. over the top or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's an, it's an autobahn, right? And mm-hmm. you want to make sure that it's working and people can go as fast as they can and, and as, as safely as they can. I think that's the, uh, the big thing as well, the security.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- this was an, an excellent talk, guys. Thank you so much. Very, very illuminating. Pleasure. Um, so I always like to wrap the show up with, with a little something fun. Um, I'm still in that phase where I'm asking kind of the same question to everyone, which is uh, what are you going to do now that a bunch of us are fully vaccinated? What is, what is the one thing that you've been missing the most that you can't wait to get uh, back to? Uh, going out to eat. Right? Yeah, just going out sure. to a restaurant and yeah. sitting down and having a really nice meal with my wife and and uh, enjoying that. Right, I get that. Super excited for that. We actually we actually did it this week. So nice, excellent. I was pretty excited Congrats. to get that yeah. done yeah. and uh, and tick that one off the list. Yeah, awesome. Well, I used to I, I used to fly four hundred thousand miles a year. Oh, oh for man, pleasure. Yeah. and uh, it went to zero, and yeah. Uh, yeah. so I think. Uh, I, I want to get back on a plane. I mm-hmm. want to go and see people. I want to travel. Uh, I had my first uh, business lunch yesterday, mm. uh, and it was uh, very awkward. It's like, okay, what are, what should we do? And so that was uh, hilarious. Uh, but it's nice to it's nice to go back to normal. There are certain things that. I don't miss at all, like mm. the commute. And yeah, I think yeah. those things are going to be fantastic. Uh, but uh, but being with people uh, is mm-hmm. the one thing I miss the most. Yeah, I haven't been on a plane since December of 2019, which I think might be the longest stretch, and certainly in my adult life. Yeah. Which is, I'm kind of happy yeah. about that. I'll be honest; that's <laughs> not my favorite thing, but I totally get the, the end result is great. You get to see people; that's wonderful. Right, right. right. But yeah. you know what? Funny enough, I uh, I've always I've always enjoyed. I mean, I travel so much; I get upgraded 99.5 right, right, percent right. of the time. So there was always this thing I always loved: is the airplane food mm-hmm. and and. I know there is this thing that you're traveling, that you're going somewhere. Yeah, even yeah, when the it's exciting, when, even when it's crap, right? So, I miss that part. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I I wish everybody the best of luck on uh, on getting back Thank to you. normalcy there. And um, uh, let's let's check in again sometime because this was a great conversation, and I think there'll be a lot more to talk about in the future uh, as things develop. So, thanks. Have a good one. Thank you so much for having us, and keep thanks up so with much. the great maps. Yeah, thanks. Will do. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. The Wayne Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Crimetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN forum. What is a WAN forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from telegeography related to the WAN, uh, plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, 
and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN Forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN Forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to WANforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN Forum events very soon. So you want to make sure you bookmark that. That's WANforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.